Hey, this is Jeremy Isaacs, lead pastor of Generations Church, where we want to live like it matters. For more information about our church, you can visit us at g.church. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Thanks again for listening. One of three reasons will put me in a jacket. If you get married, if you die, or if Jesus came back to life. Come on, somebody, right? So we're, we're here to celebrate. You look great. I'm so excited that you're here. We never take it for granted that you would choose to spend part of your Sunday and your Easter Sunday uh, with us every single Sunday that we gather. Uh, we do so just so we can do what we've been doing. We can worship, we can pray together, we can fellowship and encourage one another, and then we can always go to God's word. And so I'm thankful that you're here today. If it is your first, second, or third time to be with us, welcome to you. Uh, and we hope that you'll take a few Sundays to come be with us to, to decide if this is the church for you. If this is a place that you can call home, we believe if you'll give us three tries, that's why we, we bribe you all of those three visits. If it's your first time today, we're going to love you so much, we're going to give you a gift card you can't even use until tomorrow. It's Chick-fil-A. We tried to get them to open so you could use it, but they didn't do that. So, uh, But we'll, we'll just bribe you those first three visits. We believe that gives you a chance to kind of figure out if this is a place for you. But if you have been here more than a few times and you've already decided this is the place for you, let me just say welcome home to you and happy Easter to our family. We're so thankful that you are here. You know, as I was thinking about all that we're going to do today, I recognized when you walked in, there was something sitting on your seat. So let me give you some explanation right up front. Uh, this is a response card. We only do this one time a year. So on Easter Sunday, we do this. It's a little different than any other time. I'm going to ask you at some point just to fill this out so you can fill out the front part. Uh, on the back, uh, I'll come back to some of this in a little while, but on the back, there's just two questions at the top that you could fill out to help me. I promise we're not going to spam you with a bunch of stuff. This just really helps us. If you've got a prayer request, you've got any updated information, I'm asking everybody to fill this out. If you would do that, I would really appreciate it. And then on the back, those top two questions really help me to prepare some sermon content for later in this year. I'll be praying, the Lord will help direct and guide me, but your uh, responses on this card really help me to understand kind of where you're at and where our congregation is at. And then number three, we'll come back to at the end. So just so you can kind of know what that is, if you'll fill that out today, that would be really, really helpful to me. Obviously, it's Easter Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday. This is a big day for Christianity. And I had somebody ask me earlier this week, they said, shouldn't every Sunday be like Easter Sunday? And the answer to that is yes. Because what we're celebrating today is not a bunny and it's not eggs, though there's nothing wrong if you incorporate that into your family kind of deal today. We're going to have a humongous egg hunt at my mother-in-law's house this afternoon. There are, there are dollar bills in those eggs, and I promise you, I raced the kids to get to them because gas has gone up. I don't know if y'all know that. So like just to get a little money for some gas on the way home from mother-in-law's house. But no, we, there's nothing wrong with that. But what we're celebrating when we talk about Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, is we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're talking about understanding that there is no power greater than the power of God. And even death that tried to hold him wasn't strong enough to hold him. And, and yes, it could be that every single day we celebrate Easter because what I love to say is that Easter or resurrection is not an event, it is a person. And that's what we're celebrating. But we do choose a day on the calendar to pause and reflect on this weekend, and we started that on Friday in a really powerful Good Friday service together called Come to the Table. We celebrated and reflected on the cross and the sacrifice and the love demonstration of God to humanity. And what we're doing today is celebrating that the cross wasn't the end and that death was not final. And it is an opportunity for brothers and sisters in Christ literally around the world to reflect on that kind of moment, that power. I've been getting texts all morning from pastor friends and friends and family members and 
Uh, we have a missionary in Southeast Asia named Johnny Moore. I've known Johnny since he was 13, and uh, Johnny is celebrating. He's 12 hours ahead of us, so he's probably already in his egg hunt, but he's already celebrated Easter together with a fellowship of believers there in the Philippines this morning. And Johnny texted me first thing this morning just to wish me a happy Easter and as we think about all that we're celebrating, we recognize that this is not isolated to our church. It's not isolated to our community or even our nation. This is something that we celebrate with brothers and sisters around the world. So today I want us to look at the Easter story. I want us to look at Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, out of one of the four Gospels. If you've got a Bible or an app that you want to follow along, we're going to be in the book of Mark today. I want to catch us up a little bit on where we're at again on Friday. We, we looked at the events of the cross and the death of Jesus so now as we go to Mark chapter 16, we're going to begin reading in just a second here in verse 1. We are looking at the events that took place on that Easter Sunday morning. This is what we read in the first eight verses, so buckle up, of Mark chapter 16. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back and it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young woman sitting, I'm sorry, a young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not, uh, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, there's several gospel accounts. There's several depictions of the events of Easter and the crucifixion, really the entire last week of Jesus' life. Really, the four gospel accounts, which are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, focus about as much or more on the last week of his life as they do on really the, the rest of the remainder of his life and ministry. But this account in Mark is written by a guy named Mark who was a companion of the disciple Simon Peter. So when you look at the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's really the, the, the place where you see the most of the life and ministry of Jesus when he was on the earth. But this account, Mark, even though it was written, it was collected by Mark, it is most often referred to by uh, biblical scholars as the eyewitness account of Peter. And so what you have is you have the account of Peter. That's why I love when I'm reading through the book of Mark and I see things like we just read. Go and tell the disciples and Peter, right? He just wants you to know like, hey, and I was there too. Like, <laughs> I love that idea that this is Mark writing, collecting through the inspiration of God, but it's ultimately the eyewitness account of Simon Peter. And so as we look at this event, Mark chapter 16, the resurrection story, there are a couple of things that just jumped out at me as I began reading this story several weeks ago in anticipation of our time together. The first thing that I see is that these women were traveling together. These women were traveling together. You got Mary Magdalene, you got this Mary, this mother figure, you've got Salome. So they're coming together to anoint the body of Jesus. They recognize they've seen him die on the cross. They know that they took him off of that cross and they placed him into a tomb. And so they are now coming to anoint his body on this early Sunday morning, but they were traveling together. And that's my hope for you. My hope is that you are not attempting to live life by yourself, 
that you have a group of people that you're kind of traveling through this life with, that you're doing life with. My hope is that some of them perhaps are sitting next to you right now, that they're in this room right now. Maybe they're in a G group with you as a part of our church, or they're on a G team with you as a part of our church, or in some other facet of your life, you are doing life with other people. You're kind of locked arm to arm. You're standing shoulder to shoulder, doing something together with people because we were not intended to do life alone. And my hope for you is that if you did come in today and you find yourself alone, you find yourself kind of walking through life and you don't really know how you're gonna make it and you don't really know how you're gonna do life because you don't have anybody to help you when you fall down. You don't have anybody to encourage you. You don't have anybody who will laugh with you when you laugh and you definitely don't have anybody that will cry with you when you cry. We hope that this would be a place that you could come and be a part of and find these types of relationships because as I read through this, I recognize that these women were traveling together. They were also coming to serve. They were coming to serve Jesus together by anointing his body. And maybe that seems a little different because that's not how we operate today. But they were coming to do an act of service to the body of Jesus. And I think about all the people that serve in our community. I think about all the people that serve in various places through their giving of their time and their resources, but also think about the people that serve here in our church. There's a group of people that showed up this morning in the dark. There are people that drove through the heavy fog. There are people that showed up really, really early to prepare spaces and environments so that we could come together and worship and to experience all that Resurrection Sunday can mean for all of us. And so I love, as I'm reading this story, that the very first thing that I thought of as I was reading is I'm so thankful that this is a picture of doing things together. And that's my hope for all of us and like the second thing that I see is that they were aware of their limitations. They were aware of their limitations. Now, maybe that seems a little odd, but if you looked at verse three, it said, who will roll the stone away for us? They knew that if they got to the tomb and they were anticipating that he was in the tomb, he was still dead, right? They saw him die. So they understood that there was kind of a finality to his life on earth. No matter what he had already accomplished, what he had already done, he's going to be in the tomb when they get there. And they can't figure out when they get there who's going to roll this really large stone out of the way. And so in a couple of different places, but specifically here in Mark, it says who's going to roll the stone that was very large out of the way. Scholars have debated, and as we kind of understand best we can, the size of this stone that we're talking about. They, they feel like it's probably somewhere between two and 4,000 pounds. So you're talking about one to two tons. And these, these women felt like, you know, we're strong, but we're not that strong. And so as we recognize the size of this, they understood that when they got there to do what they were trying to do to anoint the body that was going to be inside the tomb, they could not get access to the tomb. So they were trying to figure out how that was even going to be possible. They knew their limitations. Corey and I have four kids. We have three boys. Those are the oldest, 17, 15, and 12. It'll be 13 here in just a few more weeks. And our youngest is a little girl named Kinley. She's 10 years old. So Kinley is, you know, she's the youngest of our four kids, and I kind of thought she'd be a little tougher, you know, with three older brothers. Like, I thought she'd be a little rough. and t- She is the most princess thing you've ever seen. Like, she just, she's just a princess in so many different ways. But when she was, I mean, as young as about two years old, she recognized what her limitations were. She knew at two or three years old, like, there are some cans of food that I want open that I can't get open. There are some things in the fridge that I want to drink, but they're too high for me. There are some crafts that I want to do, but I got to get them out of the basement and I don't want to go by myself. There are some toys that I want to take in the car, but I can't carry all of them to the car. And here's what she would do, even beginning as young as two years old. She would say it just like this. Oh, strongest man. (laughs) At two. 
and three. She had already figured out how to manipulate a man. Yes, I did just say that out loud, right? She didn't say, Dad, can you help me? Right? That probably would have even sounded weirder at two years old. But she, she would say it in this really like Southern Belle, like, oh, strongest man. It had like 19 syllables in it. And here's what she was saying. I understand my limitations, Dad. Now, I'm definitely paraphrasing. She's like, I, I can't carry all this to the car, but I want to take all of my toys on this 12-minute drive down the road. Dad, I, I want to get into this jar of fruit, but I can't, I can't turn the lid. Dad, Dad, there's some things that I want to carry from the basement to the main level, but, but I can't do that. I'd probably have to take more trips. So would you, the strongest man, please help me in this endeavor? She understood her limitations. Now, you might think, man, you sound, you sound kind of bitter about it. Not at all. Every single time she did it, I'd smile I'd look at her mom and go, I know where she got that, right? I would smile. I'm not the kind of dad that I anticipate, okay? I'm not the kind of dad that is preparing to sit in the living room with a shotgun for a lot of reasons. One, I'd probably accidentally hurt myself. But beyond that, I'm not the kind of guy that when, when the boy shows up to take her out, that I'm going to be sitting there trying to scare him to death. I mean, maybe a little, but not to death, right? Really what I'm looking for is I want to see how he responds when it's not the two-year-old version, but maybe not even the 10-year-old version, maybe the 16 or 18 or 25-year-old version of her saying, hey, I have limitations, and where I'm weak, I need you to be strong. I want to see how he responds to that. I want to see how he responds when she says, but hey, I've got some strengths, and I want to, I want to pair my strengths with your weaknesses. I want to see how he responds to that, because we all have limitations, Right? We all have some things that we can't do. We all have a lid that we can't break through in our lives and in our, in our homes and in our businesses and in our faith. And so if we recognize our limitations, it causes us to come into moments prepared that someone else is going to have to help us. Unfortunately, in our culture, there's a lot of like self-made men and women mentality that I got here by kind of pulling up my bootstraps. I got here through hard work and you should work hard. The Bible says if you don't work hard, you don't eat. But the idea here is that we also recognize that there are limitations to what we can accomplish. And these women said, who is going, we, we've got something we want to do. When we get to Jesus, we want to worship him in the only way that we know how, now that he has passed away. But when we get there, we are limited by our own strength. So who will roll the stone away for us? They were aware of their limitations. The third thing that I see when I read this story, and this is where we're going to spend the remainder of our time, is they experience firsthand the limitless power of God. They experience the limitless power of God. So they've been asking this question. They've been talking about who's going to roll the stone away. It's very large. Who's going to roll it away when we get there? And this is what it says in Mark 16, verse 4. We already read it. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. I told you that scholars believe that stone would have weighed somewhere between two and 4,000 pounds. We also know, based on the other accounts of the resurrection, that the tomb that he was in had been carved out of the rock, and no one had ever been laid in that tomb. And the way that those tombs would have worked in that day, in, in most senses, is that it would have just been carved right into the side of the hill, the side of the stone, the side of the mountain. And then they would have carved out some grooves right in front of the door. 
so that you would take a stone from somewhere on the side and you would roll it down into that slot so that it would hold itself up against the door. So not only would you have to like get a few guys to come to the side and push it away, you had to actually lift it up out of that groove to get it to move. So these women recognize like when we get there, like even if we tried to push it, we got to pick it up too. There's no way that we can do that. So when they get to that place, understanding their own limitations, traveling together, they actually see that what appeared to be this immovable obstacle was in fact already moved for them. It was moved. It was gone. What they thought was an obstacle was no longer an obstacle. And here's the question that I've been kind of thinking over these last few weeks in anticipation of today as I think about and prayed for you. What are the obstacles that seem immovable in your life? What are those things in your life that you are convinced they are immovable? You don't have the strength. You don't have the power. Maybe you're walking by yourself through life, and if you ever kind of happen upon one of these obstacles, you know you don't have the strength to do it. Or maybe you're walking with two or three, but there's no way that the two of you, the two or three of you together would be able to do what needs to be done to move this immovable obstacle in your life. What are those things that you are convinced that even as you try to get to Jesus, even as you try to grow in faith, even as you try to serve and give and worship and become free of all the things that hold you back, what are those things that even as you try to do those things, you just keep bumping up against this immovable obstacle? I'm going to give you a few, just a few. These, this is not an exhaustive list, but one of them that I see on a really regular basis, I probably see it because I live in it a lot myself, is the immovable obstacle of time, the immovable obstacle of our calendars and our schedules. It seems that life is speeding up at a rapid pace. Our schedules are jam-packed. Maybe you work for someone else, so some of your schedule is actually handed to you. You don't get to determine how you're going to fill your calendar. John Maxwell says it's not whether your calendar is filled, it's who has permission to fill your calendar. Maybe there's a lot of people in your life that actually speak into your calendar and and block times for you, and so you just kind of show up where you're told to show up, and it seems like even when you try to find time and create margin and create space, that the immovable obstacle of our calendars and our time and our busyness can never seem to get out of our own way. Maybe you have young children And you're not sleeping very much. Maybe you have a lot going on in the stage of life that you find yourself in and you're running yourself ragged. I had someone who's retired tell me this past week, they think they're busier now than when they were working full-time. Some of us are working full-time just waiting until we get retired and they were like, no, 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 don't don't anticipate that, right? I, I don't know what stage of life and season of time you find yourself in, but I recognize that so many of us have this immovable obstacle of time. Maybe you are your own boss, but you spend so much of your time trying to grow the division or the department or the business and taking care of the employees that are under your care and you're doing the best that you can, but you can't seem to get past this immovable obstacle of time. You don't have enough time to read the Bible. You don't have enough time to pray during the day, you're convinced. You don't have enough time to come to church. It's the one day all week that you have any time at all, and the grass has got to be mowed, and the the honeydew list at the house, and the kids have got to go here and got to go there, and we got to get groceries at some point, and so you just don't have time. Who will roll that stone away? For some of us, it's not time. It's addiction. It's being controlled by something outside of ourselves. I recognize just based on just pure statistics that in a room like this with the number of people that are here and those that are watching online, there are large numbers of people who are currently controlled by some substance in their life. 
They can't make it through a day, make it through a week without some type of hit or fix on something that helps them to find some level of calm or helps them to escape the realities that they do not wish to live in anymore. There's some substance that has control over us. There are some who they know they cannot lay their head on their pillow at night, not just with one drink or two drinks, but five or ten that turns into twelve until they don't remember how many they've had because it's the only way they can calm themselves and escape from the day just to get their head on the pillow at night and just wake up tomorrow hoping to be able to make it through tomorrow. It's these addictive behaviors. Some of us, we're looking at things we know we shouldn't look at. They draw us away from our family and our friends and our spouse and our kids and our faith and our relationship with God because we've given ourselves over to something that helps us to escape from a reality that we're currently living in. Who will roll that stone away? We've prayed about it perhaps. We've tried to get free from it, but we just don't know how we could ever get beyond it because it always seems to be present in our lives. Maybe for some of you, it's some form of mental health issue It's not the same, perhaps, as some of these other things, but you can't make sense of it because you can't explain it. The more you talk about it, the more the less it makes sense to you and those around you. The more you actually need people in your lives, the less you actually want to be around people in your lives. You've done everything they've told you to do. You've taken the medicine. You've gone and talked to the people. You've done everything that they've talked to you about how to process this and move beyond it and find some type of peace and calm in your life. And yet every single time you feel like you've gotten some Momentum, it attacks again. Who will roll that stone away? Maybe it's a past hurt or a past pain. Somebody that lied about you. Somebody that lied to you. Somebody that hit you. Somebody that cheated on you. Somebody that left you. It hurt. And you thought you were over it. And then they called. You thought you were beyond it, and then you saw them at Target. You thought you were free from how it used to feel, but you just wandered over to their profile, and you saw where they're at and how they've progressed in their life, and you can't seem to progress, and you're right back in it again. Who will roll that stone away? There's there's hundreds of others of examples for sure. But when we come to the realization that there are things that seem to be in our way, we also draw some level of comfort from this story to know that when they got there, the immovable obstacle was not actually immovable. It had been moved for them because no obstacle is immovable to God. No obstacle. No matter how large it seems in our lives, Easter Sunday reminds us of that great truth. He isn't limited by our limitations. And so it forces us to change our perspective. Psalm 121 verses 1 through 3 says this, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He's not, gonna, he's not falling asleep at the wheel. I told you about our youngest child. Our oldest child is now a driver. He's been driving for year and a half. We've got a second one that's going to drive come February. Y'all just stretch your hand this way right now and pray for me. But can I be honest, even with curfews and even with all of the things, like there are nights that like I'm waiting on him to show up and he's doing great. He's showing up when he's supposed to. My eyes are getting heavy. And Corey's looking at me. She's like, are you going to fall asleep before he gets here? No, I was not. I was 
just thinking about some stuff. I was really contemplating all that the world means and, you know, just trying to, God's not doing that. He's not sleeping. He's not slumbering. He's not caught by surprise about the things that are going on in your life. We take our eyes off the immovable obstacles that are before us and we turn our eyes to the hills where our help comes from, the maker of heaven and earth. I love that line because here's what it tells me and maybe this is just the way I read scripture. He's the maker of heaven and earth. Think about this. So the stone that was in the way that seems too large to move, he called it into creation in Genesis. You don't think he could move that stone? He absolutely could move that stone. He created that stone. The the stone that seems too large for us, all of it rests in the palm of his hand. He is in control. He is sovereign over all things. I take my eyes off my obstacles and put my eyes on the maker of heaven and earth. Isaiah 41 and 10 says this, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those obstacles are obstacles to me and you. But to him, they are just props in your ever-growing testimony. They're just pieces of the story. There will one day come a time when you tell the story about the big stone that he moved out of your way so that you could experience the miraculous power because I don't want you to miss this fact. The stone wasn't actually the miracle. Like, it seems big. It seems like the miraculous. But the stone actually wasn't the miracle. The resurrection was the miracle. That he had been dead and he was now alive. Look at what we just read a few minutes ago. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Even if you can wrap your mind around God's healing of your mind and your body, even if you can believe for freedom from addiction, even if you can trust God to help you manage your time and your relationships and restore your marriage, surely there is a limit to his power. And yet on this day, the point of this day is that there is no limit. To those women, to those women there was a larger obstacle that they had actually already conceded to. It was death. They saw him die. They knew this was the end. Death seems final, right? Death seems like the end of the story. It's a period at the end of this sentence. Like death is the end. But if Easter proves anything to us, it's that God's power isn't limited by our limits. He isn't constrained by our restraints. I want to show you something on the screen in just a second. And maybe this is what you write down in your notes if you haven't written anything down. If you haven't been taking notes, I encourage you, maybe take this one down because this this is something that I believe for all of us, moving beyond the day of Easter, but living needing the power of Easter beyond this moment. I think this is something that all of us need to cling to. And it says, it goes like this, we often magnify our obstacles and minimize God's power. That's what we do. We, we look at our problems. We zoom in on our problems. We magnify all the things that are before us and the obstacles that we face and the things that are in our way. And we minimize God's power. We go to him as a last resort instead of our first response. Because what we're facing and what's before us seems so large. But instead, here's what we should actually do. We should minimize our obstacles and magnify God's power. Minimize those things that stand before us. Minimize those things that seem to be in our way and magnify God's power. We're not actually making his power bigger. You understand how magnification works? We're just changing our perspective about it. We're just looking not at our problems, but at the God who helps us in the midst of those. We're looking at the hills where our help comes from. He's the maker of heaven and earth. We should minimize our obstacles. 
and maximize God's power in our lives. That's what all of us have to do. We gotta take God out of the box. We gotta take him out of the tomb. He is not constrained by the things that we are constrained by. We've gotta quit looking at our obstacles and look to the risen Savior. That's where we draw our hope. That's where we draw our confidence. So we're gonna pray to close our time and how we're gonna do that is we're gonna go back to these response cards for just a moment. I want everybody to take hold of one. There should have been one sitting on your seat. If not, and there's a seat nearby, you just steal that one. I'm going to grab this response card. Hopefully you've had a chance. If not, we encourage you to do that in just a second. Fill out the, the front. Put your information there on the front of the card. In just a moment, they'll come by at the end with the buckets, and you can drop your name in there. Maybe you've already filled out the answers to number one and two on the back. That just helps us as we're planning some things for the rest of this year. But I want you to look right now. Everybody's looking right now. You're not filling out your address. I want you to look on the back at number three. What's your next step in your relationship with God? All of us are on a spiritual journey. What's the next step? This is the only time all year that we respond like this. But in a tangible way, in a physical way, I want all of us to respond in some kind. What's your next spiritual step on the journey? Do you need to be baptized? Have you, have you accepted him as the Lord and Savior of your life, but you've never gone public with that? We're baptizing people next Sunday. It's not too late. We'd love to baptize you. Do you need to kind of root yourself, plant yourself in this church, in a place where you can find community, travel together with other people in groups and on teams and all of those things? Maybe that's the step that you need to take, and you, you know that. The Lord's been working on you all day. Maybe you just check that box. But based on all that we've heard and experienced today, all that we know about God and his power, at the very bottom, there are four boxes. They say A, B, C, and D. And I want every single person in the place to check one of these boxes. Here's what they mean. A says, I am already in a relationship with Jesus. B says, I am beginning a real relationship with Jesus. C says, I'd like to consider it a bit more first. And D says, I don't ever intend to make that decision. I want every single person in the room to have the confidence to check the box that applies to where they're at right now in their spiritual journey. We're all taking a step today. And before we can take a step, we have to acknowledge where we are. Everybody's checking that box in just a moment. They'll come back and give you some instructions. You're going to drop that in the bucket. We're not going to spam you. I already told you that. We just want to help you to take a next step. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You'll have another moment in just a second. I want you just to bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. And if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, I know that today, right now, I need to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I need him to forgive my sins and to be the Lord of my life. It's the step that I've got to take today. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at on this Easter Sunday? You can put it right back down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Now, if you would say to me, Jeremy, for me, it's not really about salvation necessarily, but I've got some obstacles in my way. Maybe it's one of the ones that I mentioned. Maybe it's something else completely different. But there is something that seems to be blocking your way as you try to move forward in relationship with God, as you try to move forward in relationship with your family and your friends and the journey that you're taking in this life. I've got an obstacle in my way and I can't move it by myself. And I need the power of God to be demonstrated in my life. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Tons of hands today, so many hands. Thank you for your honesty. Let's pray together. God, we thank you today for who you are. We thank you for Easter Sunday. We thank you, God, for the power that was demonstrated through the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ, the love that you poured out through the cross and the resurrection. 
And God, we thank you now for those who have accepted you as the Lord and Savior of their life. They've chosen to follow you in relationship. God, we thank you that you forgive sins. God, I can't do that. We can't do that. We want to, but we know that you are the only one who can. And so, God, we thank you. And God, now I pray for every hand that was lifted, every person in this place that said, I've got some obstacles in my way. I've got some stuff. It's bigger than me. I've tried to make it through. I've tried to move it myself, but I, I always seem to fall short. I'm never quite strong enough. God, would your strength be made perfect in them today? As they acknowledge their limitations, God, would they lean into the strongest man? And God, would you lift this obstacle out of their way? Would you move it out of their way so that they can come to you fully? They can make it all the way to who you are and all the way that they desire to be in full relationship with you. God, let them experience freedom like never before. Let their homes be filled with a peace that they haven't experienced maybe ever in their whole life. God, we thank you that when we come to you weary and heavy burdened, that you give us rest to replace it. That when we come to you with worry and anxiety, God, you give us a peace of mind that passes all understanding through Christ Jesus. And God, we thank you for the power of Easter. It is more than enough for us. And we do not concede even an inch to the enemy. What seems final in our strength is not final in the power of God. And so, God, we give you all the glory for everything that you will do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thanks again for listening. If today's message was an encouragement to you, we invite you to share it with your friends and family. Maybe subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It just helps us spread the word about what God's doing here at Generations Church. For more information about the church, visit us at g.church. Have a great day, and God bless.